Welcome to a new episode of the Sunday Sauce. I'm here with a special man from Canada I met last week. His name is Joseph Borgo. Joe, how are you today? I'm well, thank you. It was great meeting you, Mike. Yeah, we had a great time the other night with uh, Roger Stone and the legendary Theo Fleury. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think Roger's pretty legendary too, eh? <laughs> well, I mean, in, in Canada, I, I think Theo Fleury's a little bit more legendary than Roger. <laughs> yeah, and uh, although Canadians, a lot of us, uh, you know, uh, at least the honest truth-seeking Canadians, we follow a lot what's going on in the United States as well, so. Yeah, of course. I mean, we're so we're very close um, countries when it comes to political and and you know lifestyle and things like that. Uh, Yeah, you're you're the current CEO of Tillage Tools, right? Yeah, I'm the owner and uh, CEO of FP Borgo Tillage Tools, a manufacturing company here in uh, Saint Bruce, Saskatchewan. Yes. All right. So you you started a tool company. Um, When did you? Did you, were you always into politics prior to COVID or was it COVID that really set you off? Uh, no, like, you know, I'm going to put it this way. When I was in my mid twenties, uh, I had voted liberal in 1974 when I was 18 years old. So that dates me. I'm 66 years of age. I feel like I'm in my thirties. I can keep up to most 30 year olds, but, uh, Hmm. when I voted, uh, uh, liberal, I don't know if I had explained that to you guys uh, when I met with you, but I had voted liberal in 1974 for Pierre Trudeau. He, Pierre Trudeau was in office from 1968 to 1984, 16 years. That's Justin's father. Right. And uh, so that was my first mistake, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and my only I would say the only mistake that I made in terms of voting after that, by the age of 20, I figured out that Trudeau was a. Uh, he was a tax and spend socialist. He added a half a billion dollars. Uh, I'm sorry, half a trillion dollars in 2019 dollars. He added 500 billion to our national debt adjusted in that 16 year period. Wow. But his son broke that record. He did that in, uh, you know, uh, in uh, seven years. Wow. Uh, yeah. So uh, that's what got me interested. Although I grew up in a family where we we followed what was going on. We debated at dinner and supper, much like you guys would have done, Mike. You know, mm-hmm. you have su- supper and dinner meetings and you debate politics. And we followed. We've always followed more, almost more what's going on in the U.S. than in Canada. But we were feeling the effects of, Justin, of Pierre Trudeau. He his tax and wasteful spending ways led led to rampant inflation in the 1970s and early 80s. Uh, we had 13% interest rates uh, in by 1981. Uh, well, I'm sorry, 13% inflation. Mm-hmm. And so that's, uh, it was in, in the mid 70s that I got interested in politics and I began to strategize. I wondered why the heck are people voting to elect tax and spend politicians, you know? Right. I mean, we're, you know, as conservatives, we're thinking, reasoning people. We should be able to outsmart these people. And why haven't we? Well, I think that, uh, I know in, in America, it seems like lately, I don't know you know, how it was back in, back in the 70s and 80s, but conservatives seem to be uh, backstabbing each other now these days. You know what I'm saying? Well, like for me, what I piece together is the reason that people are voting 
for tax and spend socialist, uh, liberal, NDP in Canada, uh, Democrats in the U.S. is because whenever the Conservatives or Republicans in the United States get into office, we've never addressed the problems of the low-income people. And so I, uh, I realized this in 1998, and I researched and wrote a book titled Why Lower Taxes for All Canadians, where I did budgets to show what it costs to live at the true poverty line. And uh, so uh, what it costs now, and I updated in my latest manuscript, The Way of Truth, I title it, The Best Ways to Eliminate Poverty, Sickness and Disease, Depression, Suicides, Crime, and How to Create a Healthy, Happy, and Prosperous Society. Uh, in, in these uh, books, oops, uh, in these books, uh, I show what it costs to live at the true poverty line. And the average across Canada right now is uh, approximately, uh, uh, it's approximately $50,000 uh, for somebody to live at the true poverty line. Now, think about this for a minute. We don't tax a business before it's profitable. So why are we taxing our citizens in Canada and the United States before they're profitable? That's what the true poverty line is. Makes sense. Um, also in Canada, don't you guys have the universal health care and school thing going on over there too? Uh, we do. Right. Uh, the, you know, but a lot, like, uh, a lot of the uh, costs for medical care in Canada are not covered. Uh, I mean, if you're in an emergency case, yes, you can go in and get care. Although I've been in both the Canadian system and the American system. I've traveled to the U.S. for medical care when I couldn't get care here in Canada. And to me, the quality of care in the United States, in my experience, is far better than in Canada. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm, you see, I went to Montreal many, many times. I've been there at least 10 times. And, uh, you know, I've heard a story from an Uber driver. He used to work in the, like, I guess, financial district of Montreal. It would be equivalent to our financial district in, in New York City. And uh, he said he was a, a, a banker. He was, and he made over, you know, 150000 a year. But he said after all the Canadian taxes and whatever, he said it ended up to be like, 90,000 Canadian dollars, which is pretty insane. Yeah. 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 We, you know, I, once you earn a hundred and I think it's, uh, uh, just over a hundred thousand, your marginal tax rate is 48% here on every dollar over and above that. Mm -hmm. The average Canadian low income Canadians are paying 25% income tax, 15% federal, 10 and a half percent provincial here in Saskatchewan. So the average, and, and then you add GST, PST, we have a, a goods and services tax, which is a federal national tax, which is 6%, six, 5%, six uh, uh, and we have a provincial tax here in Saskatchewan that is 6%. Jesus. And so you're paying the average low-income person is paying uh, the equivalent of 36 to 37% in taxes. And now you add fuel taxes and carbon taxes and, you know, the governments, what they're doing to Canadians, these liberal NDP Democrats, they don't give a hoot about the average person. And so, but because they promise people something for nothing, mm -hmm. uh, you know, then people vote for them. I know we, fa so you fast forward from Pierre Trudeau to Justin Trudeau, he gets elected. Um, you know, people like you remember such a horrible job that his father did. 
but he gets, it looks like he got elected with no problem the first time. Why is that? Well, you know, I, I made a post on Facebook today just about that very issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would be very, I would actually be surprised if our election system is not corrupted mm-hmm. with Dominion voting systems and algorithms. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, 50% of Canadians, I find it hard to believe that 50% of Canadians would vote to elect the NDP and or the Liberals. And that's about the popular vote would be about 20% uh, <clears throat> uh, NDP, mm-hmm. uh, and which are fur- the NDP are further left than the Liberals, although the Liberals that we have now, they're so far left, they're communists. Correct. Correct. Uh, there, there's tyranny going on here in the country. The rule of law is being abandoned by the Trudeau NDP uh, coalition here in the country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's what we're we're dealing with. Yeah, um, I mean it's kind of similar here. I, obviously, you, you were just in New York City. Uh, you know, when uh, Mayor Giuliani was in office, he he cleaned up the whole city. There wasn't as much homeless people. I'm sure Roger told you it, it used to be. New York City used to be a great place for tourists to come visit and like yourself and to, you know, walk around with no problem, not have to worry about being mugged, raped, et cetera, et cetera. But now uh, Mayor de Blasio, eight years of him, he just basically unraveled everything that um, Bloomberg and Giuliani did. And now we have Mayor Adams, who I wanted to give a chance, but it seems like, um, you know, he doesn't care. Honestly, he only cares about being famous. He doesn't care about actually being a mayor, which I feel like Trudeau is similar to Mayor Adams. He likes to be with Governor Newsom. He likes to be, you know, of California. He likes to be in the limelight. He likes to be fancy, hang out with all these fancy European people. So, you know, we kind of have similar uh, leaders, per se. Yeah. Yeah. These folks, they're the I I don't know why people don't get it. And I think a lot of people do. In the last election, that was a quick election that Trudeau called here in Canada. Uh, he, wherever he traveled, uh, people were booing him. Uh, you know, uh, there were people throwing gravel at him. Yeah. Uh, that. You know, yeah. So yeah. wherever he traveled, nobody uh, wanted to hear the guy. People, you know, most Canadians, I think, certainly the average thinking, reasoning Canadian. I I don't I like to think this way. I don't hate the guy. I just 100% disagree with him and he doesn't he he doesn't have the moral fabric. He doesn't have the moral character or the ethics or the competency skills to be the prime minister of the country. And so I'm very disappointed as a Canadian that we would have elected somebody so immoral and so incompetent. Uh, but I, I can't help thinking that the that the voting system in Canada is corrupt. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we saw some things that happened in the 2020 election here. They they claim they could improve the Dominion thing here, but they definitely found some people harvesting ballots and, uh, you know, stuff like that. But unfortunately, what people don't understand, some people don't understand is that even though you can prove some kind of voter fraud, it's not going to overturn the election like that so unfortunately we're stuck with joe biden and uh kamala harris for the time being you know yeah yeah like it's uh you know we're all in a similar boat we you know i believe that what's going on behind the scenes all these people all the dots connect back to the un 
the World Health Organization and the World Economic Forum. Uh, and so, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, Klaus Schwab and, and George Soros, uh, Bill Gates, all these people, they're all buddies. And they're buddies with Justin Trudeau. I mean, we know in Canada, uh, Klaus Schwab has, I've seen video of Klaus Schwab interviewing Justin Trudeau at the Davos group, you know, praising him. He's, uh, Klaus Schwab has spoken publicly about how he controls, uh, uh, I, I don't know if that was the exact word, but he basically has influence uh, maybe that would be the diplomatically correct word to use, and that would not be inaccurate that he has influence over uh, Justin Trudeau and half of the Liberal government. And we also know on the website, uh, Vijay Singh, who's the leader of the NDP, uh, he's on the World Economic Forum website. So a lot of these people have been through the World Economic Forum program, uh, Young Leaders program, and so they're being uh, I we believe that they're being controlled uh, to a very large degree to follow the the UN 2030 uh, agenda, and so uh, you know, and we're kind of at, uh, working to try to figure out ways to really the only thing we have that we can do legally and peacefully, and that's where our headspace are in Canada. We're not we don't think in terms of uh, you know, any type of criminal activity. Mm -hmm. uh, the criminal activity is taking place right now, the violations of our charter rights and freedoms, the violations of the Criminal Code of Canada, mm -hmm. uh, violations of the Canadian Human Rights Bill of Rights. They're taking place by Trudeau and the NDP government right now. They're violating our rights and freedoms. Oh, yes. And so, you know, it's we don't want to get into the gutter that, with them. We want to win over the majority of Canadians to see, open their eyes and see that we've got, we, we have the, the absolute wrong people in office in our country. And so that's at canadiansfortruth.ca, uh, Canadians for Truth. Our, the name of our organization is Canadians for Truth, Freedom and Justice. People can go there and read about our core values and principles. We believe in God. Uh, we want to be uh, one nation under God, like you guys in the United States of America. And uh, so we're working hard to get the truth out to people on a wide variety of topics to win over the hearts and minds of Canadians based on the truth, not on the lies and deceit that we're hearing from the Trudeau government. Yeah, I mean, you guys definitely had it worse with the COVID lockdowns. Um, you know, the government was just too heavy handed in Canada. Trudeau with the, you know, with the whole trucker convoy and then just knocking on people's doors because you're you're leaving your house like uh, that. That's total insanity. And that's actually that's the dictatorship right there. That's that's not even government. That's insane. Yeah, it was tyranny. I was in Ottawa when uh, Trudeau got on. That was on February 14th. I'll never forget that. Mm -hmm. I listened to him totally twist the truth about the Freedom Convoy because we I was there uh, in the leadership team assisting, you know, providing counsel to the trucker, trucker leaders um, in at the boardrooms, uh, providing them with leadership guidance, helping them work together to work with the Ottawa police and the city of Ottawa to keep it a legal, peaceful protest. We had a judge in Ontario that ruled 
that it was a legal, peaceful protest, but that he wanted the horns to stop, which they did. And even then, we were negotiating with the police to keep the horns uh, within two or three days. Uh, we had the horns so that they would stop at seven at night and and before and then they would run all night before they would start up in the morning. And I was sleeping. I was in hotels where they were blowing the horns and it never stopped us from sleeping, you know. So, yeah. So, I mean, but it was crim it was criminal. What Trudeau did there, what he read was so untrue. It was so fabricated. And that judge ruled that it was a legal, peaceful protest. Oh, I mean, I well, I saw the videos from Rebel News. I tr tr uh, Trudeau isn't pulling the wool, wool over my eyes. It was just a bunch of truckers hanging out. They had bouncy castles for kids. They had, you know, people were just having barbecues. I didn't see any kind of white supremacist activity going on. No one was being violent. They were uh, giving homeless people meals. They were helping old ladies cross the street. So, I mean, I saw what I saw. But, of course, you know, Trudeau has to tell everybody the, the uh, total opposite. Yeah, it was, uh, it was surreal to listen to him. Uh, but for, you know, it's, uh, truth is in the eye of the beholder and, and Trudeau is, uh, I think he, he saw it definitely as a threat, mm -hmm. uh, because millions of Canadians were, you know, I saw five different, uh, five better hold up my fingers, five different polls when I was there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, one of them, uh, all, all of them were between 78, the lowest was 78 to 92% of Canadians were supporting the legal peaceful protest that the truckers had brought across the country to help Canadians, uh, you know, to end the mandates that were going on across the country. And all, uh, of course, all the provinces responded and ended the mandates because mm -hmm. of that freedom convoy. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. I mean, uh, they tried to do that in the U.S., but I think they stopped them immediately once they got too close to DC. They didn't, they never even made it. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, uh, so I know you try to run real quick. Um, they, they stopped you, right? The conservative party allegedly got rid of you and threw you out. Is this, is this true? Yeah, I ran for, when I got back from Ottawa, mm -hmm. I had three weeks. I debated the idea because, uh, what also happened while we were in Ottawa, is the Conservatives voted out their leader, Aaron O'Toole, because he was very, he was a very weak leader and was not, he was like liberal light leader. And mm -hmm. so the Conservative Party was very, Conservatives in Canada were very disappointed with Aaron O'Toole. And so during the Freedom Convoy, they voted him out. Wow. And so on the way home, as I was driving home, I left on February 16th two days after Trudeau declared the War Measures Act on, on a <laughs> legal, peaceful protest. Right. So we left Ottawa. Uh, you know, they were w telling us to leave Ottawa, and I, I did not want to get arrested. So I left Ottawa, and uh, on the way I debated, and when I got back, and then uh, made the decision on March 10th, I announced the decision to run for the leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada. I've been a lifelong Conservative mm -hmm. member and uh and made the run and achieved past all the tests to be to stay in the race mm -hmm. and uh on the very last day uh three days after we had submitted everything we needed including all the money that was needed they called us and and told me that uh i had another witness in the room and told me that they were not going to allow me to continue in the race 
uh, and they gave a very technical reason why that made no sense to any of us. And uh, so uh, we argued with them. We made the case uh, with them. We felt that what they were doing was inappropriate. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and when they refused to budge, we said, okay, well, we want you to refund all the money that was submitted uh, to all the supporters. And so right. that's what we've been working at. Uh, I was not about deceiving Canadians. I was about telling the truth. And I did that. I spoke the truth the whole time. Uh, I spoke about the World Economic Forum and how they're uh, influencing our country. I spoke about getting rid of the carbon tax. Uh, I spoke about Canada getting off its the coattails of the United States of America and increasing our funding to 2% of the GDP, which is our commitment under the NATO commitment. Mm -hmm. uh, I, to I talked about tax reform, about increasing the basic personal exemption in Canada uh, from uh, 12,000 federally, which is pathetic, mm -hmm. to 50,000. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was gaining support. So that's why I got over 1,000 signatures. All I needed was 500, and I got over 1,000. Uh, we raised over $400,000. I needed to submit 300. We submitted $367,000. And on a technical issue that they found, uh, they said a one line uh, in a loan document, because uh, about 17% of our funds came in by loans. Mm. Uh, and the maximum that anybody could loan us was $1,675. That was the maximum amount that anybody could contribute to my campaign. In Canada, companies cannot donate to my campaign. Uh, no company can donate. It all had to come out of private funds. Mm -hmm. And so uh, out of the 17% that was submitted, uh, there was a, a loan document that we had to draft, a simple loan document. And in that loan document, we had made a statement that if under the Elections Canada rules, if we did not uh, repay that loan by the third year, uh, we we added a statement saying that if we could not repay the loan by the third year, by the end of the third year, uh, that that loan would be considered a, uh, uh, it would be considered a donation. Mm. And that line had me thrown out of the race. Really? Yeah. Like and that. yet under the election Canada rules, uh, that those loans have to be repaid from, from funds raised. Mm -hmm. We are certain that we're going to raise the funds, but we put that in there just to make sure, you know, that uh, as a closure, to, that if we couldn't raise the funds to repay the loans and they wouldn't let us retract that line. I mean, these people loaned us $71,000 based on that document as we had written it up. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it, it was ridiculous. It made no sense to us because if that was important, then why didn't they have a loan document for us that we should use? Give it to us, a formatted loan document right. that under the Elections Canada rules would qualify. And they didn't do that. They So, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, um, that's an insane story. You were basically probably would have won everything. And now just by one line, that's it. Done. Well, I would have given uh, the only... To me, the the real competitor in the race for the conservative leadership, the the guy who's uh, is Pierre Polyev, mm. uh, and uh, 
I don't know much about him, so I can't comment on his. Uh... Yeah, he he he's like he's the likely he's the likely winner. He's been in politics all his life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he's a lifer. A li- you know, he's a young guy in his early forties, and he went out of university into politics. He, he's very articulate, uh, you know, and he goes after Trudeau. He's uh, you know, so I give him credit for that. But uh, Pierre does not have the life skills. I have 40 plus years of executive leadership skill. I've managed crisis situations. Uh, you know, Pierre doesn't have the uh, leadership skills that I have. And I don't believe Pierre has the ideas that are going to enable the conservatives to win over the majority of Canadians. Mm. Uh, the conservatives have not been able to win in part because they don't have the ideas to win over the hearts and minds of Canadians. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a shame because uh, when I picture Canada, I picture a free country. Everybody wants to, you know, live free, have their guns legally, of course. And, you know, just uh, a nice, lovely country that has lots of nature. And but it seems like <laughs> Justin Trudeau just wants everyone to stay in their house and and not, and listen to him because he's the dictator. And what his what he says goes like he just like kind of ruined Canada, you know. Yeah, he has an agenda, and it's not the, for the Canadian people. He's working for Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum. He announced the Great Reset on television in Canada on their behalf. Everybody saw that. Yeah. So, you know, and uh, I, you know, I'd like to ask, I understand there's a gentleman by the name of Alan Studwick, and I believe he's an American, and he wrote a book on this. He went through the World Economic Forum program, and under that program, uh, before you can pass the test, you have to pledge, make a pledge of allegiance to serve Satan, uh, Lucifer. And uh, so uh, that's what we kind of see in Justin Trudeau. I'd like to ask him that question. Justin, when you went through the World Economic Forum program, did you make a pledge of allegiance to serve Lucifer? Well, also, allegedly, he's Fidel Castro's uh, love child. So he has a lot of questions to answer, Mr. Trudeau, right? <laughs> yeah, it would be inter- it would be interesting to see a, yeah. d- a DNA test, whether or not he is or not, you know? I mean, his old mother said on TV she had a crush on Fidel Castro. So, uh, you know, <laughs> we, it's, it could add up. We don't know. You know, I'm not. Yeah, it, it, it's, po- it's entirely possible. I've seen pictures of them at the same age, and there's a lot of resemblance. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but this one, this one looks a little true. So you know, well, he 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 acts like Fidel Castro. That's why people draw the comparison. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I mean, even Joe Biden, the mumbling, stumbling guy he is, doesn't act like a dictator. Well, he doesn't know what's going on half the time. But uh, yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't. More of the state leaders in um, the United States act more uh, authoritarian. Like the governors, they—they're the ones who really act like you know more Trudeauish, like Governor Cuomo when he was here. And then he got—they got rid of him. He locked down the whole state. He didn't know anything, and even the governor of New Jersey was the same. You know, and basically anything the New York governor does, the whole country does. They just copy off of him because New York State sets the standard for the whole United States, apparently. So. Yeah, th- thankfully you guys have governors like DeSantis and uh, in mm-hmm. you know. Uh, uh, Naomi in uh, mm-hmm. South Carolina. Uh, most of the Republican governors, uh, Texas, uh, have stood up to end the mandates and all uh, to stop going along with all the 
COVID deceptions, you know? Correct. Yeah. So, I mean, the whole time when Cuomo was here, uh, when he was in office, he was, you know, saying DeSantis is crazy for no mandates, blah, blah, blah. And it looked like, number one, DeSantis got the last laugh because one, Cuomo is gone. Two, Florida, actually, they did a whole survey and Florida was the best managed state during the whole COVID crisis. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, it's uh, the Republican governors in the U.S., like it's uh, like DeSantis and Naomi in South Car- uh, South, uh, South Dakota. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they really uh, set a great model as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, upholding the, your, con- your constitutional rights and freedoms. Correct. And that's what we're working to do at uh, Canadians for Truth, Freedom and Justice. Uh, that's why we're in New York, where uh, our media director, Theo Fleury, was uh, asked by Tucker if he would do a, a one hour interview with him. And so we went down. I saw I went with Carlson today. Yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, what, what's that, uh, Mike? It was on Tucker Carlson today. It's coming out. I saw uh, the preview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Theo's pretty savvy about what's going on in the country, politically savvy. And mm-hmm. he's an honest, truth seeking guy. And unafraid to stand up for what's right and speak his mind. So that's why we partnered with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, we're yeah, working. I'd love to have Theo on here, too. I, I already reached out to him. I know he's a busy man. So I would love to have Theo on and get in. Yeah. Pick yeah. He's, he's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. Theo's a straight shooter. So we we get along well. Yeah. He was a great, great hockey player, a legend. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a hockey player and um, and a good guy, down to earth guy, like you guys. You know, I loved uh, I loved the energy around you guys. You know, uh, I mean, uh, the honest, truth seeking conservatives, whether you're conservative in Canada or Republican in the United States, we think alike. You know, we're we're honest truth seekers. So, well, unfortunately for for you, when you came Thursday night, you you met with us who are. Blue collar, hardworking New Yorkers, uh, lifelong New Yorkers. We, we weren't born to money. We don't, you know, we, we weren't spoon fed. Uh, we all work hard and we work for money and we know what it is to, uh, you know, be a gentleman. We honor the code of being a gentleman. So, um, you know, we, we appreciate you guys coming down and you next time you come, we'll have another good time. Yeah, yeah, no, it was great. Uh, great meeting you, uh, Mike and, and the whole team there. It was, uh, I look forward to seeing you guys uh, again. Thank you, Joseph. Um, that website, one more time for everybody in, in uh, Canada and in America. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, uh, Mike. Uh, Canadians for Truth. Uh, .ca. Canadians for Truth. .ca. And we're also on Facebook, uh, Canadians for Truth. Uh, you can. I have a, a Facebook page that people can follow. But most of our postings now are on Canadians for Truth. We also have a Twitter. Uh, on Twitter as well. So, and well, Theo on Twitter, Twitter is, is posting on, on Twitter. He has a large following as well. So thank you. Uh, it's great speaking with you, uh, Mike, like this. So let's uh, keep in touch. As well. You as well, Joseph. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it.